Many years ago, in a faraway land, there lived an old tinker and his wife who had a little tinker for a son. The old couple were very thin, but not because they were poor, for the old man had made a fine success of his business and they were quite wealthy. It was because their son had an appetite that was a frightening thing to behold. And every time they went to the cupboard for something to eat... Alas, the cupboard is bare! Yes, honey bun, and the same fate has befallen our icebox. No, oh, the boy's done it again. He's eaten everything in the house. <laughs> Not quite. You mean... Yes, dearie, I hid a chicken-fried peacock in the chandelier. Thank heavens we're saved! They hurried into the other room, but alas, again, when they had climbed up to the chandelier... Hi, Ma. Hi, Pa. Oh, he found it. I also found a Kanakwurst you had hidden under the mattress. Now, the old couple loved their son dearly, but as a matter of their own survival, they were forced to come to a decision on the spot. Why don't you leave home? Yes, it's time for you to go out in the world and make your fortune. This little silver hammer is the very same one I started with. Take it and good luck, son. May you become a big tinker someday. Knowing that he had come from a long line of tinkers, the lad was full of confidence, and quickly, going off to the nearest city, he walked along the streets, crying his trade. I tink! I tink! Unfortunately, the townspeople completely misunderstood what he was saying and took a dim view of such a proclamation. Shame on you! We don't want you kind around here! Out! The poor lad was stoned. And only by darting into a hollow tree at the last possible moment did the lad manage to escape with his life. He might have stayed in the hollow tree for the rest of his life if fate had not taken a hand. For it so happened that a fearful giant troll moved into the woods surrounding a nearby kingdom and was terrifying everybody with his thunderous roars. Me, me, me. Now... Having a troll in one's woods is most undesirable, and the situation looked hopeless, but on that very afternoon, the royal woodchopper chanced to cut down the hollow tree in which the little tinker was hiding, and when it was brought to the castle... What's that inside the tree? Uh, a squirrel? With blue eyes? When it was discovered that it was a lad, the king was overjoyed. He must be an enchanted boy. Why else would he be living in a hollow tree? Maybe he's cuckoo. But the king, convinced that the young man was of the enchanted variety, quickly took him off to the edge of the great forest. With your magic powers, you can get rid of the troll for me. I don't know anything about getting rid of trolls, your highness. You see, I'm a tinker. None of us are perfect, boy. Now go! Being a tinker had been nothing but trouble. And just then, he came face to face with the frightful troll himself. Fee, fum, fo, fi, I smell a human passing by. It is only I. And whom are you? I'm a scared little tinker. A tinker? You, you mean an itinerant mender of pots and pans? I hope so. It's been so long, you know, I've forgotten. Good, good. I have a hole in my people pot. People pot? Yes, yes, it's the pot in which us trolls cook people. If you will mend it for me, I shall grant you a wish. Taking his silver hammer, the boy tinked and tinked, and soon the task was completed. 
There, it's just like new. Fine, Liebchen. You'll do good work. Hey, what's the idea of putting me in a pot? You're a people, aren't you? Yes. So, you're going to get cooked. But you said you would grant me a wish. <laughs> so I lied. Desperate, he struck out with his little silver hammer. Fortunately, the one thing that will do in a troll is a blow from a silver hammer. Returning to the kingdom, the little tinker found himself a hero. Half of my kingdom is yours, boy. And now for the best part, take a look at this. Say, that's a nice goat you got there. Goat? That's my daughter. You get to marry her. <laughs> Hello, honey. Say, that kid was enchanted. Did you see him disappear? The lad didn't stop running until he was five kingdoms away. Realizing that he had nothing but trouble as a tinker, he changed his trade to being a cobbler. And one day, as he walked through the countryside, crying his trade... Cobble, 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 cobble. A nearsighted huntsman mistook him for a turkey and shot him on the spot. Oh, I know it's very sad. But at least one thing can be learned from this tale, and that is that once a tinker is bad enough, but once a cobbler is uh, strictly for the birds. <laughs> That's an old saying. <laughs> At home he couldn't get along with his wife, it appears they used to fight, both day and night. One night she got real angry, untunt Rippy from the door, would said he needn't ever play in her yard anymore. She told him he could take his clothes and go. Rip Van Winkle was a lucky man, Rip Van Winkle went away. And slept for twenty happy years in the mountains, though they say how lucky. Rip and Dickel had a lovely sleep, deny it if you can. While his lost day was deploring, he was in the mountain snoring. Rip and Dickel was a lucky man. Now you sit down and figure out the money that he saved. For twenty years his fiskers grew, his face had not been shaved, his bright hit grew a mile or two. But during all that time his living didn't cost a cent. His wife at home, she had to keep the house and pay the rent. While in the mountains, Rip was living high. Rip Van Winkle was a lucky man, Rip Van Winkle was a gent. He lived on a bluff for twenty years, didn't spend a single cent. How lucky! Rip Van Winkle had a lead pipe cinch, deny it, no one can. While his wife was spending money, he was in the land of honey. Rip Van Winkle was a lucky man. He saw the Catskill Mountains and he saw the Catskill Rats. But he never had to live in any stingy Harlem flats for rooms and bath. Ah, just room to laugh. 
Those narrow-chested dining rooms that really is too small. That every time you want to eat, they serve you in the hall. It serves you wrong, but still it serves you right. Rip Van Winkle was a lucky man. Rip Van Winkle took the cake. He never had to eat any homemade pies like the motor used to make. How lucky. Rip Van Winkle knew a thing or two. Deny it if you can. He never seen the women down at Coney Island swimming. Rip Van Winkle was a lucky man. Didn't have to chop the wood or carry in the coal Or walk upon his heels all day to try and save his soul His mind was free from misery No quarrel with the woman who would swear the fight was black Who in the depths of winter put her cold feet on his back Or holler, there's a burglar in the house Rip Van Winkle was a lucky man. Rip Van Winkle took a dose. Just think of wearing twenty years the same old suit of clothes. How lucky! Rip Van Winkle knew a thing or two. Deny it, no one can. If he'd have gone asleep in Philly, he could have slept till he was silly. Rip Van Winkle was a lucky man. Days is a long, long time to sleep. But Rip Van Winkle slept for twenty long years, and he woke one day. Rip, red hair had turned to gray. Rip Van Winkle hurried back into town, but to his dismay, Rip hometown had stopped to play. He found to his surprise a thing called Swing was King, and he liked it. It opened up his eyes and drip, drip, got his rip. Van Winkle's wrinkles faded away, and he shared his beer. Rips the rage since he reappeared. So if you what a swing and jive at the age of 95. Start counting sheep and sleep like Rip Van Winkle. Liked it, it opened up his eyes and dripped, ripped, got his rip. 
Van Winkle Drinkle faded away and he shared his bill. The rates and theory So if you were to swing and jive at the age of 95, start counting sheep and sleep like Rip Van Winkle. So be a trip, get hip, take a tip from Rip Van Winkle. Once upon a time in the nursery rhyme, three little men got lost. Like you and me, they couldn't agree, and upon the waves they tossed. Well, I sing the tune, cause I got marooned with a love I can't forget. Now the three little men just took me in on an ocean of regret. With the rub a dub dub, three men in a tub, lost on the ocean blue. I'll roll like a hook, sing rub a dub dub, cause you broke my heart in two. And I can't make sure and I'm drifting far away From the love I had and I'm feeling mighty bad And I can't go on this way Won't you throw out the line and say you're mine And take me back again Cause my rudder's broke and it ain't no joke Won't you reach and pull me in With the rabbit up that three men in the tub Lost on the ocean blue I'll roll like a hook, sing rabbit up that But you broke my heart in two Never come a day when I'd reach land again The one night door on the distant shore Is now out the rainbow's end To the three little guys I turned my eyes Won't you tell your names to me One said fate, one said hate And the other said jealousy With the rub-a-dub-dub Three men in a tub Lost from the ocean blue I'll roll like a hook Sing rub-a-dub-dub Cause you broke my heart in two Uh, you don't don't have to, but one you don't have to you don't have to think about it any longer, bud. I'm here. <laughs> no, Shug. We were going to have a song from one of the. I know you were, and I'm ready. You can you can you can you begin the music anytime. Shug, <laughs> what George is trying to tell you? Never mind it? what he's trying to t- tell me. You told me to hang on a while ago, and I've I've hung on so long and my knuck my 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 knuckles have turned white all the way up to my elbow, and I'm getting sick of the. Whole thing. So, what are you going to do about it? Go? No. Sing. Oh, stand back and give me room, George. I'll start this out myself. You fellas can go back there and lay down. Get hot anyhow, I guess. That's pretty right in there, ain't it? Oh. Frog, when he courting, he did ride Cambo. Frog, when he courting, he did ride 
Cambo. Frog went to court and he did ride, swore in a pit and a pit and a revolver by his side. Cambo. Cambo killed a lot, lot, lot of flowers. Flop a doodle, yell about doodle, lot of things come flop. Cambo, flop a doodle. Because that's the hard part right in there, boy. Flop a doodle, yell about doodle, lot of things come around top bottom. Cambo. Let the yodel go right in there somewhere. Oh, well, I don't need it anyhow. Where will the wedding supper be? Crambo. Where will the wedding supper be? Crambo, bo, bo. Where will the wedding supper be? Way down yonder in the hickory nut, in a hickory nut, in a wall, in a sycamore, in a eucalyptus tree. Crambo. Crambo kills la 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 from look. a miller. He was poor, but he had a beautiful daughter. One day he happened to be talking with the king, and wanting to impress him, he said, Hey, I've got a daughter who can spin straw into gold. The king said to the miller, That's just the kind of talent that appeals to me. If your daughter is as clever as you say, bring her to my palace tomorrow and I'll see what she can do. When the girl arrived, he took her to a room that was full of straw, gave her a spinning wheel, and said, Now get to work. You have the whole night ahead of you, but if you haven't spun this straw into gold by tomorrow morning, you will die. Then he locked the room with his own hands, and she was left all alone. The poor miller's daughter sat there, and for the life of her she didn't know what to do. She hadn't the faintest idea how to spin straw into gold, and she was so frightened that in the end she began to cry. Then suddenly the door opened and in stepped a little man. Good evening, Mistress Miller, he said. Why are you crying so? Oh, 
I'm supposed to spin straw into gold, and I don't know how. The little man asked, What will you give me if I spin it for you? How about my necklace? said the girl. The little man took the necklace, sat down at the spinning wheel, and whirr, 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 three turns and the spool was full. Then he put on another, and whirr, 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 three turns and the second spool was full. All night he spun, and by sunup all the straw was spun, and all the spools were full of gold. First thing in the morning, the king stepped in. He was amazed and delighted when he saw the gold, but the greed for gold grew in his heart. He had the miller's daughter taken to a larger room full of straw and told her to spin this too into gold if she valued her life. She had no idea what to do, and she was crying when the door opened. Again the little man appeared and said, What will you give me if I spin this straw into gold for you? Well... How about the ring off my finger? The little man took the ring and started the wheel whirring again. And by morning he had spun all the straw into glittering gold. The king was overjoyed at the sight, but his appetite for gold was not satisfied yet. He had the miller's daughter taken into a still larger room full of straw and said, You'll have to spin this into gold tonight. But if you succeed, you shall be my wife. I know she's only a miller's daughter, he thought, but I'll never find a richer woman anywhere. When the girl was alone, the little man came for the third time and said, What will you give me if I spin this straw into gold for you? This time. I have nothing more to give you, said the girl. Well, hmm, then promise to give me your first child if you get to be queen. Who knows what the future will bring, thought the miller's daughter. Besides, she had no choice. So she gave the required promise, and once again the little man spun the straw into gold. When the king arrived in the morning and found everything as he had wished, he married her, and the beautiful miller's daughter became a queen. A year later, she brought a beautiful child into the world. She had forgotten all about the little man, but suddenly he stepped into her room and said, Now give me what you promised. The queen was horrified. She promised him all the riches in the kingdom if only he let her keep her child. But the little man said, No, I'd sooner have a living thing than all the treasures in the world. Then the queen began to weep and wail so piteously that the little man felt sorry for her. I'll give you three days time, he said. If by then you know my name, you can keep your child. The queen racked her brains all night long. She went over all the names she had ever heard. She sent out a messenger to inquire all over the country what other names there might be. When the little man came next day, she started with Eugene, Clarence, Dweezil. But at each one, the little man said, That is not my name. That is not my name. The second day, she sent servants around the district to ask about more names, and she tried the strangest and most unusual of them on the little man. Well then, could your name be Ribcage or Mutton Chop? 
Or perhaps Gumby Legs? But each time he replied, That is not my name. That is not my name. On the third day, the messenger returned and said, I uh, haven't discovered a single new name, but uh, as I was walking along the edge of the forest, I rounded a bend and I found myself at the foot of a high hill, you know, the kind of a place where a fox and hare bid each other good night. <laughs> well, anyway, I saw a hut, and outside the hut a fire was burning, and a ridiculous little man was dancing around the fire and hopping on one foot and bellowing, Brew today, tomorrow, bake. After that, the child I'll take. And sad the queen will be to lose it. Rumpelstiltskin is my name, but luckily nobody knows it. Well, you can't imagine how happy the queen was to hear that name. It wasn't long before the little man turned up and asked her, Well, your majesty, what's my name? She started by asking, Is it Tom? No. Is it, uh, Dick? No. Is it... Harry? No. No. Could it be... Rumpelstiltskin? Ah! The devil told you that! The devil told you that! The little man screamed, and in his rage, he stamped his right foot so hard that it went into the ground up to his waist. Then, in his fury, he took his left foot in both hands and tore himself in two.
mighty miles beyond the moon Or right there where you stand Just keep an open mind And then suddenly you'll find Never, never land You'll have a treasure if you stay there More precious far than gold For once you have found your way there You can never, never grow old And that's my home where dreams are born And time is never planned Just think of lovely things And your heart will fly on wings Forever In never, never land Pumpkin Eater had a wife and couldn't keep her. He put her in a pumpkin shell, and there he kept her very well. Very well indeed. Hello, kiddies. This is your old Uncle Steve with another bedtime story. Once upon a time, in the little village of Upopsh Bam, there lived a frantic little canary named Cinderella. At the time our story opens, Cindy was making it the least, and to fill in between unemployment checks, she was working at a small rib joint run by her stepmother and her two stepsisters, all of them real crows, you know what I mean? To give you an idea of Cindy's stepmother style, she actually put a sign up over her counter that said, We reserve the right to serve refuse to anyone. Well, sir, word reached the girls one day that the local prince, a very cool and handsome cat indeed, was planning to throw a big ball. And this was one ball that was really going to be a ball. 
Cindy's stepmother said, Baby, you're going to have to stick around in Ten Bar while I take the girls out to buy them some crazy threads for the party. Oh, wow, said Cindy. This sounds like a bum kick. I'd like to make it over to the party myself. Take it up with your agent, said the evil stepmother. You stay here. That's the lick. Well, the day of the party finally dawned, and Cindy was very unhappy. Suddenly, a sprightly little figure appeared on her windowsill, holding a big wand. Bless my soul, said Cindy. It's Guy Lombardo. Ah, no, my child, said the figure. I'm your fairy godmother. There's a crazy straight line, said Cindy. What's the bit? Baby, said Cindy's godmother, I have fixed it up for you to go to the party tonight in a pumpkin. Well, if it's a 53 pumpkin with wire wheels, you've got a deal, said Cindy. Whereupon, with the wave of her wand, the fairy godmother transformed the pumpkin and six white mice into a fancy carriage and six white horses. Well, the party was really swinging when Cindy blew in, and whom should she meet right from the top but the handsome prince? Uh, baby, said the prince, would you try this slipper on for size? Hold on, man, said Cindy. I was looking for a party, but it looks like I walked into Tom McCann's by mistake. Mama, said the prince, I dig you the most. Let's scuffle. Crazy, said Cindy. And for the next several hours, she and the prince, Arthur, murrayed it up all over the joint. Suddenly, Cindy noticed that it was almost midnight, and she recalled her godmother's warning that she must be home by 12 straight up, for at that time, the carriage and horses would revert to the hands of receivers. In a panic, Cindy cut out and headed for home, leaving the prince with a glass slipper in his hand. Next day, the prince started a coast-to-coast -coast search for the girl whose foot was dainty enough to fit the slipper, and eventually he got around to Cindy's house. Well, the stepsisters came on real salty when they saw the prince try the slipper on Cindy. Oh, Dad, they said, this chick is too square. We don't like to put her down, but as princess material, she's the lowest, you know? I'm hip to your motive, said the prince, perceiving in the instant that Cindy was the girl for whom he'd been seeking. Ah, Cindy, he said fondly, I could book you for two weeks at the palace with options. What do you say? Nutty, said Cindy, planting a kiss on his chops. And from then on in, kiddies, they lived groovily ever after. Zip, 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 zip,
again to the bit slap this is our second try at a fairy tale show and i think we did pretty good this time because um, you know we all live too much in the real world we need fantasy that's why these things are fantasy these things are all some of them are tales of, of dread uh dressed up to not sound so bad uh, we're not going to worry about that tonight so uh just relax it's going to be fun uh we're already halfway there as you know all right anyway start out with, um, I, I wish I could start everything out this way with the Fractured Fairy Tales from uh, Rocky and Bullwinkle. That was The Little Tinker, narrated by Edward Everett Horton and uh, all the other voices, June Foray in there. Uh, oh, they're all in there. I think Paul Fries was in there. Anyway, we heard Rip Van Winkle was a lucky man from Clifford Jackson. I'm not really sure how old that recording is. Uh, it sounds too well recorded for a 78, so who knows? Who cares? Uh, Rip Van Winkle. From Ella Mae Morse with the Billy May Orchestra from 1945. In 1978, we had Hank Thompson, Rub-a-Dub-Dub, Three Men in a Tub. I looked that one up in uh, in Google. It's about um, dying, really. They're all about dying. This is this is one of them. It's very scary stuff. Look these things up, and you're gonna you're not gonna want to have anything more to do with them. Okay, Sons of the Pioneers, Froggy went courtin'. Uh, that's a nursery rhyme. It's not uh, not a fairy tale. We got nursery rhymes in here. For example, we heard Goosey Goosey Gander from Farm Pets. Uh, that came to me on a cassette just like that. I did not mess with it one little bit. Um, and it's just really kind of silly. Uh, it, it, it was contained in a thing of otherwise pretty serious songs. You know, and old McDonald's, stuff like that. Anyway, uh, Dr. Demento reading the story of Rumpelstiltskin. With little help from the late Robert Hamer, who was, of course, Artie Barnes, and just died this past weekend at the age of 69. Uh, from 1966, we heard Pop Art, The Pop Art, something like that, and that was, of course, Rumpelstiltskin again. Peter Pan from the Peanut Butter Conspiracy, followed by the only Peter Pan I ever imagined. That was Mary Martin from Never Never Land. Never Never Land, that was the, uh, from the old TV thing. 
from God. What was it, 55, 56? Uh, I still remember that. Uh, I wake up sweating. But yeah, Mary Martin was the only Peter Pan that mattered, okay? Peter Peter Pumpkin Eater was uh, our friend Moondog. Um, he did some stuff with uh, Julie Christie, and you'll hear uh, Julie later on. It's kind of scary. Uh, Steve Allen doing the hippified version of Cinderella from 1953 and the Carrie Garfin 4. Um, and that was, of course, Zippity Doodah, uh, a song written by Ali Rubel and Ray Gilbert for the most American of fairy tales, the absolute hogwash bullshit story of happy slavery and stuff. So we'll let that one drop. And we will continue. I have more stuff. Uh, here, here's, here's another one from Moondog. Jack and Jill went up the hill to fetch a pail of water. Jack fell down and broke his crown and Jill came tumbling after. Jack got up and honed it cut as fast as he could caper and went to bed to mend his head with vinegar and brown paper.
Twas brillig, and the slithy toves did gyre and gimble in the wave. All mimsy were the borogoves in the mome raths outgrave. Yeah. 
Oh, big. Open up his door. In time past, on not long ago, there lived pigs in stature little and number three, who, being of an age both entitled and inspired to seek their fortune, did set about to do thusly. <laughs> when they had traveled a distance, pig number first spake, saying, Hearken, brethren, heed this tempestuous realm. Tarry we long from hearth and home. We shall fare, I fear, not well. <laughs> And so, being collectively agreed, but individually impelled, the diminutive swine set about each to erect for himself an abode. <laughs> Pig numbered first did construct his house from straw. Pig numbered second did likewise, though rather not from straw, instead from sticks, meanwhile, unique in his imagining. Pig numbered three did erect as his domicile, stalwart, and garish, a structure made from brick entirely. <laughs> Ah, but soon there happened along, as is frequently the scenario in classic tale of protagonist pig or red-hooded child. <laughs> A wolf, carnivorous nature in full season, he called out to the straw-ensconced swine, saying, Pray thee, little pig, grant me entrance. But pig one recalled with sage foreboding that he is mad who trusts in the tameness of a belly-pinched wolf and responded immediately, Nay, it shall not be, indeed, not by wit or whisker jowl. <laughs> to this most expected response, the wolf replied immediately, Then steal thyself, little pig. Forthwith shall I endeavor, in blowing means both huffing and puffing, to dismantle yon flippin' flaxen fortress. <laughs> Whereupon there issued forth from the wolf an exhale of gale proportions that quickly rendered straw hovel to dregs and dross and carried aloft piglet and shattered quarters both. Exposed now to claw and fang, piglet one made haste, wolf in pursuit to the stick festoon sanctum of peccary secondary. <laughs> Causing Pig 2 to cry out in dismay, Well, this knots my knickers! <laughs> Marshalling a feral wolf to my doorstep is nowhere among those endeavors amenable or congenial. A thousand pardons, begged one. It would seem the beast's painful breath hath purged me of home and sound judgment alike. <laughs> The malevolent blast of the wolf's exhale splattered second swine shack and short his sanctimonious scolding simultaneously. <laughs> Lo and behold, squealed two, stand we now amid wooden wreckage, tremulous and vulnerable, with nary a strategy for eschewing the canine devourer looming in deadly proximity. <laughs> Strategy, exclaimed one, while tis noble the contemplation of tactical particularities, pressed as we are with time restraints, forbidding detailed strategical conversation, I would urge we run. <laughs> Whether by their own fleet-footed competence or the wolf's windless attitude, the bantam porkers arrived at their ultimate kindred neighbor's inexpugnable brick ingress unscathed. 
Upon the third pig's door, with urgent hooves they pounded, calling out, Unbar this entrance, and with haste we beseech thee. The third pig hailed from the American colonies. And was possessing a vocabulary substantially less robust than his impromptu visitors, replied, Say what? Still confounded by their importunate words, Pig 3 did render ajar his portal, whereupon 1 and 2 spilled through and collapsed beyond his threshold, enervated. So y'all just wanted to come in? Why didn't you say that? Hiss of the wolf could be heard. Pray thee, pigs, grant me entrance. The wolf said 1 and 2. Wolf said 3. What do you suppose he wants? He seeks to gain purchase within. Indeed, he would occupy this very alcove where he but afforded the most meager of opportunity. Right. <laughs> I reckon I'll just ask him what he wants. Under no circumstances, squealed too, flinging self against portal. There is not to be gained a costing external opponent save our own immediate demise. What did you say about my mama? <laughs> House and occupants were again engulfed in a malevolent blast of wolfish wind. The foundation shook, the frame rattled, and low to the astonished eyes of piglets and encroaching scoundrel alike stood the third pig's lodging undaunted. Aghast and befuddled, two queried of three, how does against such relentless and torrential onslaught this domicile endure? Pig three puffed out chest, tapped a hoof to the hearth and responded it's American made I have a message for you a very sad message by my subject for this evening will be Little Bo Peep it says here Little Bo Peep, who was a little girl, has lost her sheep and doesn't know where to find her. Now that's reasonable, isn't it? <laughs> it's, it's reasonable to assume if Little Bo Peep had lost her sheep, it's only natural that she wouldn't know where to find <laughs> that that basically is reasonable but uh, leave them uh, alert. now that overwhelms me <laughs> completely overwhelms me the man said she lost a sheep turns right around and boldly states she doesn't know where to find them. <laughs> and then has the stupid audacity to say, leave them alone. <laughs> now, now, now think for a moment, think. 
If the sheep were lost and you couldn't find them, you'd have to leave them alone, wouldn't you? <laughs> so leave them alone. Leave them alone. It's in the book. <laughs> leave them alone. And they, uh, they being the sheep, they will come home. Oh, yes, they'll come home. Oh, there'll be a brighter day tomorrow. They will come home. <laughs> it's in the book. <laughs> they will come home. A wagon, a tail. Pray tell me what else could they wag? <laughs> A wagon the tape. <laughs> Behind them. Behind them. Did we think they'd wag them in front? <laughs> of course they they might have come home in reverse. <laughs> little ones, this is your Uncle Jasbo with your bedtime story of Little Red Riding Hood. Once upon a time, in the land of Ubladi, there lived a fine chick named Red Riding Hood. One day, Red's mother said, honey, your grandma is feeling the least, so I fixed up a real wild basket of ribs and a bottle of juice, and I'd like you to fall by her joint and lay it on her. Crazy, said Red, and taking the basket, she took off through the woods. she'd gone but a short distance when the wolf appeared on the scene from behind the timber. Baby, he said, give me some skin. Sorry, Daddy-O, said Red, some other time. Right now, I have to make it over to my grandma's place. Mama, say no more, said the wolf, I'm hip. Dig you later. So saying, he made it over to grandma's post-haste, swallowed the old lady up, disguised himself in her nightclothes, and stashed himself between the lily whites. Pretty soon, Little Red Riding Hood knocked. Hit me again, said the wolf. Who goes? It's me, Graham, said Red Riding Hood. Mother heard you were sick, and she thought you might like to pick up on some ribs. Wild, said the wolf. Fall in. Red Riding Hood entered and cased the joint and said, Hey, what a crazy pad. Sorry I didn't have time to straighten the joint up before you got here, said the wolf. What's in the basket? Same old jazz, Red said. Baby said the wolf, don't put it down. I have to, said Red, it's getting heavy. Okay, said the wolf, open the basket, I've got eyes. I'm hip, said Red. Grandma, what frantic eyes you have. The better to dig you with, my dear, said the wolf. And Grandma said, Red, what a long nose you have. Yeah, said the wolf, it's a gasser. And Grandma said, Red, your ears are the most say the least. I know my ears aren't the greatest, said the wolf. Let's just say somebody goofed. You know something Red said? I don't want to sound square, 
but you don't look like my grandma at all. You look like some other cat. Baby said the wolf, you're flipping. No, man, said Red, I just dug your nose again, and it's the most. I don't want to come right out and ask to see your card. But where's my grandma? Your grandma is gone, said the wolf. You're right, said Red, she is the swingingest, but where is she? She cut out, said the wolf. Don't hand me that jazz, said Red. Whereupon the wolf leapt out of bed and began chasing her about the room. Little did he know that the wolf season had opened that day. But a passing hunter was hip, and he came on with an axe and dispatched the wolf forthwith. Dad, said Red gratefully, your timing was like the end, you know? And so it was.
old MacDonald had a farm, E-I-E-I-O. And on this farm he had a dog, E-I-E-I-O. With a here, there, here, there, everywhere. Old MacDonald had a farm, E-I-E-I-O. Now old MacDonald had a farm, E-I-E-I-O. And on this farm he had a cow, E-I-E-I-O. With a here, there, here, there, everywhere. Here, there, here, there, everywhere. Old MacDonald had a farm, E-I-E-I-O. Now old MacDonald had a farm, E-I-E-I-O. And on this farm he had a pig, E-I-E-I-O. With a here, there, here, there, everywhere. Here, there, here, there, everywhere. Here, there, here, there, everywhere. Old MacDonald had a farm, E-I-E-I-O. Now old MacDonald had a farm, E-I-E-I-O. And on this farm he had a horse, E-I-E-I-O. With a here, there, here, there, everywhere. 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 Old MacDonald had a farm, E-I-E-I-O. Now old MacDonald had a farm, E-I-E-I-O. And on this farm he had a parrot, E-I-E-I-O. With a here, there, here, there, everywhere. 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 Old MacDonald had a farm, E-I-E-I-O. Now old MacDonald had a farm, E-I-E-I-O. And on his farm he had a car, E-I-E-I-O. With a here, there, here, there, everywhere. 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 She won't get up, she won't get up. Lazy Mary won't get up, she stays out too late nightly. Oh, these beans and barley grow, oh, these beans and barley grow. You and I and everyone know how oh, these beans and barley grow. Oh, these beans and barley grow. How they do it, I don't know. But if you hand me my horn, I promise I won't blow no corn. Sheep. The 
but she knows just where to find them. For they all stand around the band, wagging their tails behind them. One little two, little three, little jitterbugs, four little five, little six, little jitterbugs, seven little eight, little nine little jitterbugs, ten little jitterbugs, boy. Ten, nine, eight, little jitterbugs, seven, six, five, little jitterbugs, four, three, two, little jitterbugs, one little jitterbug girl. Mutiny, mutiny, must have mutiny. Mutiny, mutiny, must have mutiny. Swing up, kids, swing up. Benito and then the Jap. They all started out with a yip and a yap, and they all wound up with their tails in a trap. Three blind rats. From Newfoundland to Guadalcanal, the Yankees chased the Axis. Rudy Toot Toot, they give him the boot. Goes the axis, a heel and a toe and a pokey o. Do little do to Tokyo, booted them on their hidey hole. Goes the axis. Mother Goose is busy keeping up with the times. The world has gone so dizzy. She's had to rewrite her nursery rhymes. London Bridge is all blowed up, so the Germans say. And Yankee Doodle came to town. Should now be sung this way. Oh, Adolf Hitler came to town riding on a cannon. Yankee Doodle turned him round and gave his pants a fan. They chased him here, they chased him there, and got him in position. Stuck the pitchfork where they should and hurt his intuition. Good morning, Shicka Gruber. Why did you break so soon? You swore that you would rule the world and maybe the stars and moon. What happened to that super race you had in 39? Mein Kampf has backfired in your face and trickled down your spine. Oh, where, oh, where is that Rudolf Hess? Oh, where, oh, where can he be? I sent him to England a long time ago. I wonder if he stayed for tea. J. 
Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun when the Germans run from a great big Russian sleigh. Oh, jingle bells, jingle bells, look at them Russians grin. They're dreaming of a red Christmas marching through Berlin. The little lamb, she tied it to a pylon. Ten thousand volts shot up its arse and turned its wool to nylon. <laughs> little Jack Horner sat in a corner, caressing his cock and his balls. Along came his mum and shouted, By gum, you better wipe that off the walls. Simon met a pieman going to the fair. Said Simple Simon to the pieman, What have you got there? Said the pieman to Simple Simon, Pies! Cunt! <laughs> there was a young man from Nantucket, took a pig in a thicket to fuck it. Said the pig with a sneer, get away from my rear, come around to the front and I'll suck it. <laughs> the gong, it was sounded for breakfast. By, thank you, by the, <laughs> by the butler so portly and stout. And Ma heaved in sight with a pot full of shite, and Dad with his knob hanging out. You're behaving quite nicely, said Mother, though seldom it's my way to jest. Manners be buggered, said Father, and I've got it fucked up again. Forgotten it again. Two, three, four. Ah. The gong, it was sounded for breakfast. <laughs> By that butler, so portly and stout. And Ma heaved in sight with a pot full of shite and Dad with his knob hanging out. I've got that far, I've got that far. <clears throat> You're behaving quite nicely, said Mother, though seldom it's my way to boast. Manners be buggered, said Father, and he tossed himself off in the toast. And then Peter, he pissed in the pepper, and Spencer, he spunked in the spoon. And Mother let start such a hell of a fart that Father could scarce keep the tune. And then Sean shoved the sausage up Susie and laughed loud and long at the joke. And right after that, Grandad shat in his hat so the baby could play with the smoke. Uh, 
Now, ladies and gentlemen, I'm about to recite the two most obscene limericks in the whole world, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Starting with the all-comers champion and working, working down. Oh, because this is, this is totally disgusting. There was a young fellow from Wales who lived on a diet of snails. And when he couldn't get these, he lived on the cheese that he scratched from his knob with his nails. Two. Ladies and gentlemen, here is now the most obscene limerick in the history of the universe. Here we go. If you've got anything breakable or inflammable near you, or are a person of a disposition, stand back. Let's see if we've got the most obscene limerick in the entire world. Here we go. <clears throat> there was an old whore from Silesia, whose quim had grown sweatier and greasier. So now you must come up her stinky old bum. But be careful the tapeworm don't seize you. <laughs> Okay, we're back, and I did tell you that uh, some some fairy tales are pretty rough stuff, didn't I? We just had a couple of fun examples of that, but uh, go go investigate it. You will find out that these are not fun things. Okay, started up the top. Speaking of not fun, that was Jack and Jill falling down the hill. Uh, both of them. Um, not sure what the injuries were involved, but that was Moondog, of course, again. Three Blind Mice was Wild Billy Childish. We heard a guy named Gurpreet Kaur, K-A-U-R, I think don't suspect he was the child there, but that was, of course, Humpty Dumpty. Uh, Jabberwocky from Roger Miller. Not that one, but the other one. Uh, the one from Mission Burma, Bird Songs of the Mesozoic, etc. Uh, Sam the Sham and the Pharaohs by the hair on my chinny chin chin. And then we heard John Branion, the Three Little Pigs. You thought that was a new story, didn't you? No, no, that goes back to Shakespeare time. Little Bo Peep. Um, John Stanley there. It's in the book. Yes, indeed. We heard Al Jasbo Collins after that. Little Red Riding Hood, hippified, as Steve Allen did before. Two things from uh, the Rotten Eggs. They had a whole album of uh, punk nursery rhyme things. These were two of them. We heard, uh, lost my place. We heard <laughs> Incy Wincy Spider. Remember that? That was a, a whole thing. Um, yeah, they had a whole culture built around that. Mary Mary, quite contrary. Two of those from the Rotten Eggs. Old MacDonald. Not sure if that's a fairy tale or not, but it's kind of a nursery rhyme, so we'll leave it in there. Spike Jones and the City Slickers. That goes way back to that song goes way back to the 18th century, the early 18th century, like older than America. Okay, uh, Mutiny in the in the Nursery was Paul Whiteman, uh, featuring Jack Teagarden from 1938. Uh, you remember that from the cartoon? Of course you do. Uh, Carson Robeson after that, Mother Goose Rhymes, uh, a little bit of propaganda there from World War II around 1944, and Ira Biggin, probably with the Red Nose Burglars, live, filthy limerick mambo, and I thought he uh, always pulled his punches when it came to language, but I'm glad, you go ahead and tell it like it fucking is there, Ivor. okay? And we got a couple more for you as we uh, head on out the door. Next week, we're going to have a... Um, it's St. Patrick's Day, you know, so uh, we'll be having a, a show about beer. Why not? Okay? So uh, give you something to look forward to. In the meantime, uh, enjoy these fine morsels of cultural redemption. 
Little Jack Horner sat in a corner eating his Christmas pie. He put in his thumb and pulled out a plum and said, oh, what a good boy am I. Little Miss Muffet sat on a tuffet eating some curds and whey. There came a great spider and sat down beside her and frightened Miss Muffet away. the story of Little Fred Riding Hood begins. Little Fred Riding Hood lived in a little woods in a little house with his little mother. As a lad, it could not be said that he was good-looking. Nor very smart, for he could only count up to one. Um, one? And he did that badly. But the one thing that could be said about Little Fred Riding Hood was that he had a beautiful voice and could sing like a bird. <laughs> and one morning, his mother said to him, Freddy, dear... Yes, Ma? If you don't stop that off-key singing around the house, I'm going to lay into you with this broom. But, Ma, Granny spent a fortune giving me singing lessons. Yes, I know she did, and I think it's high time we got even with her. Now, here, take this basket of sheet music and go through the woods to Granny's house. Sing to her for a change and see how she likes it. And so, taking the basket, little Fred Riding Hood skipped merrily off into the woods. Skipping is a very hard way to travel, and Fred was out of condition anyway, so a short time later, he stopped to rest. I will take five by this hollow stump. But no sooner did Fred sit down than he heard an awful commotion within that stump. And there were two funny little men with high-pointed hats, and their long gray beards were tied firmly together. What are you two doing in there? We live in here. But our beards have become tangled. And I fear we'll have to go through life, looking each other in the eye. Can you help us? Oh, being a good lad, Fred agreed to try. Hold tight. I'll rip you apart. Will it hurt? Oh. Yes. Bidding them farewell, little Fred Riding Hood continued on his way to Granny's house. Oh, he was a good boy. I think we ought to reward him for being so kind to us. Good idea. Let's cast a spell that'll make him grow more handsome every minute. And so they did. So he did. For unknown to Fred, every step he took, better looking, better looking, and better looking until he was by far the handsomest man in the country. Oh, what a handsome lad! How good looking! Oh, he's beautiful! Hi, sweetie! What's the matter? Are you all nuts or something? But looking at the reflection in a meat market window, he saw that it was true. He was good looking. Well, if that don't punch a hole in the boat. The young ladies of the city were unable to control themselves at the sight of little Fred Handsome Riding Hood, and the poor lad was mine. You two funny little men are pretty funny. Now, come on, make me unhandsome so I can get the grannies. As this was his desire, they changed him back to plain old Fred. That's better. Now, 
I'll give you my lunch of cookie sandwiches to keep you busy. No more tricks now. And with that, Fred once more set off down the road for Granny's house. Wasn't that sweet of him to give us his lunch? It certainly was. Let's reward him. He looks awful thin. Let's cast a spell that will fatten him up. They did. And just as before, with every step little Fred Riding Hood took, he grew fatter, fatter, and fatter, until he weighed over 700 pounds. Needless to say that when he stepped onto the high bridge that crossed the river, it collapsed with a roar. They did it again. And Fred waddled back to the hollow stump as fast as his obese little legs could carry him. All right, you guys. Knock it off. Hmm. He did get a little fatter than we figured. So bad. And Fred was returned to normal. Why do you two keep casting spells on to me? Because each time we've met, you have done a good deed for us. And that is our way of rewarding you. Some reward? Yeah. It was now growing quite late, and Fred hurried off down the road, but this time he ducked behind a large tree a short distance away and waited until he was sure the two funny little men were fast asleep. I've got to do something to make them mad so they'll stop rewarding me, or I'll never get to Granny's. Knowing that the little men were very proud of their long gray beards, Fred stole up to the hollow stump, and with a snip of his scout knife, he cut them off. What happened? Someone cut off our beard. Who would do such a thing? I would do such a thing, and I did. So long, fellas. What a crazy kid, huh? Uh, what are you looking at? You. You're a... You're a girl. Uh, what are you looking at? You. You're a girl, too. How do you like that? We're a couple of little witches. And to think we'd never have known if that nice boy hadn't cut off our beards. We should reward him. That's a good idea. We'll cast a spell that will make a gold coin drop out of his mouth every time he opens it. And they did. When little Fred Riding Hood finally reached Granny's house and opened his mouth to sing, instead of a lovely song, a gold coin dropped out of his mouth. Then another, and another, and another. And he paid off happily ever after. Which you have probably already guessed is the way the story of little Fred Riding Hood ends. 